Hello, my name is Caleb Walgren, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 83 of Brody Sports Talk. I am joined by my great and gallant co-host, Derek Rusnick, and today we're going to be talking about the NFL Power Rankings. Uh, Derek, how are you feeling about Power Rankings today? Oh, I'm so excited. This is my favorite episode of the week. It is always a solid episode, and... uh, if you missed us towards the end of last week, Sean is not recording with us at this time. He's on a bit of a hiatus. So you get to hear me do the power ranking spiel uh, at this time. So first off, what we do with our power rankings is we take all 32 teams and rank them 1 to 32. 1 being the best, 32 being the worst team in the league. Then we split those up into four tiers. We have the playoff tier, aspiring tier, wavering tier and the basement playoff tier is pretty self-explanatory those are teams we expect to make it to the playoffs aspiring tier is teams that are not as elite as those playoff tier teams but they also are probably more in a wild card range for most of them still solid teams just maybe some of the at the end of the aspiring tier are going to miss wavering tier is really that inconsistent group that it's kind of tough to put your finger on. Sometimes it seems like they might look great one week. They might look horrible the next week. It's really tough to get a pin on some teams that, you know, there is only 17 full games in a season. And some teams you just kind of waver in your thoughts on. And last but not least is the basement. The basement tier is the teams that just cannot escape and continue to struggle. So let's go ahead and let's get things going with the playoff tier. Still holding on at number one, the 7-0 Arizona Cardinals. At number two, the recently completed 600 touchdown passes, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At number three, the Los Angeles Rams. We will be coming back to them more in a moment. At number four, the Green Bay Packers, also at 6-1. At five, fresh off their bye, the Dallas Cowboys at five and one. At six, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the number one AFC team on our list and number one team in the entire AFC based off of the standings right now. Uh, continuing some teams in the AFC, we at number seven, we have the Buffalo Bills and at number eight, the Tennessee Titans. So... Like I said, Derek, we're going to go ahead and circle back with the Los Angeles Rams, and they are off to a great start this season. I think we all kind of put a finger on that. Most of us had them either winning the division or being a wild card team this year. And, you know, they're coming off a fourth quarter comeback win against the Detroit Lions, which isn't really the position we thought they would be in. But at the same time, when you get a win, it's a win. And uh, outside of the loss to the Cardinals, and uh, that was a tough one, they lost 37-20, to uh, they have looked strong week in and week out. On offense, they are fifth in points scored per game. And currently, for defensively, they are seventh in points allowed per game. For you, which, of the, which side of the ball do you think is more likely to be an issue for the Rams and why? So... If you would have told me all of the injuries that happened with the Rams, um, especially on their running back room, I would think that they would be the offense because Sean McVay is very 
play action focused. Uh, everything is keyed off the run, which leads to the pass, and the pass leads to open running lanes. But I'm going to say the the defense in this, and not that they're going to drop much, but there's there's going to be a couple of games that they're not going to uh, to win. Week two, it was a 27-24 win over the Colts. Um, there was this week seven at the at the Lions that they pushed in that fourth quarter. They should have destroyed the Lions, um, but the, the Lions are better than they better than their record this year. I think there's going to be a couple of games where the offense scores enough points, but the defense just allows another team to hang around. There's a mistake that happens, and you know they lose one or two more games that they should not have lost on paper. So that's my thought. What about you, Caleb? Which side of the ball do you think, um, you know, has that issue that you you're worried about? For me, I'm going to go ahead and say the offense, and it's not necessarily for what they are doing now. It's where I just see more of a greater concern on defense. I really feel like it is leader in the front in the box with Aaron Donald and then leader in the secondary with Jalen Ramsey. They have both been electric this year and you can never count them out. Uh, I know the surrounding cast may not be as strong as sometimes, but I think Leonard Floyd has also looked really well back there this year. Uh, Offensively, it's really been the Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup show. And I feel like that's not necessarily something that can be sustained over a whole season. I think someone's going to scheme Cup out. And I know the Seahawks did, you know, end up giving a, a lot to Robert Woods, but I just somewhat go after Woods and Cup, I'm not inspired by the rest of their receiving core. Uh, Van Jefferson has been hit or miss. Deshaun Jackson has had a couple of deep routes. Tyler Higby hasn't really gotten involved in the offense in a way I think a lot of people would expect. Uh, and the run game just hasn't been the strength of the team. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's that people who have Matthew Stafford like to pass the ball more. And I know that they don't have Cam Akers, but Daryl Henderson... I feel like he should be getting more of a workload and Sony Michelle behind him could be getting more carries as well. Uh, I just think they really like seeing what Stafford can do and he's been able to carve teams up for now. So why not let him keep doing it? I, I just feel like if something were to give, it, it doesn't take much on that offensive side of the ball. And it's probably one of those things where it's tricky on both sides of the ball. So I understand where you're coming with the defense, but I, I'm, do you think that what Cup is doing is sustainable, or does that make you a little bit nervous as well? No, no. I, I think that Cup is a special talent right now. But like you said, we are seven weeks into a 17-week, 17-game uh, season. And so little by little, you're going to have to, to lean on Robert Woods more. You're going to have to lean on that run game because people are going to double-team safety over the top on Cooper Cup. Um, and maybe they make it just you can have the underneath route, but you're not going to get as deep. So, I mean, you're right. Everything, all your points um, were very well thought out. Um, I, I, I don't see the the Rams losing that many this year. Um, it could be that they, you know, the, the the lowest output on offense this year has been 20 points, which not many teams can say. Um, that was their loss to the the Cardinals on week four. So 
you know, Sean McVay is doing something right, and I uh, I like to run, run this bandwagon. If I was a, uh, a Rams fan, I would be pretty happy. And there's nothing wrong with being happy with the Rams right now. I mean, we do have them at number three, and like I said, both the offense and defense are rated very well. So let's go ahead and switch over from one tier to another as we go to the aspiring tier. As we said, these are teams that just show a little bit more weakness, especially as we were talking about the Rams. It was tough, I think, for both of us to pick on their weaknesses, uh, but they're a little bit more noticeable here in the aspiring tier. So at number nine, we have the Las Vegas Raiders. At number 10, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, at number 11, the Los Angeles Chargers. At number 12, Famous Jameis and the New Orleans Saints. At number 13, we have Baker and the Cleveland Browns. At number 14, we have Captain Kirk and the Minnesota Vikings. At number 15, we have the Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at number 16, we have uh, probably uh, climbing into the aspiring tier for one of the first times this year, uh, or coming back, the Indianapolis Colts at three and four. Uh, but let's let's talk more about the Browns. So a lot of different takes that we had on the Browns before the season started. I know Sean was really high on them, had them potentially as the AFC contender in the Super Bowl. And uh, they do have talent on both sides of their ball. It's tough to sit here and say that you don't see the talent in Cleveland. Um, but sitting at four and three and with Baker Mayfield's injury, the torn labrum, we're not really sure when or how much he's going to be able to play through that. Uh, injuries, of course, to skill position players as they've missed games with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odo Beckham Jr., and Jarvis Landry. And they're just third in the division. They're behind both Cincinnati and Baltimore. So this week, they do host the Steelers, who are also in the aspiring tier, on Sunday before they have road games against the Bengals, who, like I said, is first in the division. And then the Patriots, who are right outside of this uh, tier, and they're uh, right outside of the playoffs, kind of looking in from the outside. So which of those games, or how many of those games, Derek, would you say are must-win games for Cleveland as they're trying to keep their head afloat in a group of middle teams in the AFC? Yeah, so I think both, both games have to be a must-win games. So if you're going four and five, five and four over the, uh, over the next two games, I don't know if you're going to tread water well enough to get Baker back and to, if once, once he does come back, if he can win through um, some injury, win through some tougher games at the end of the season. So uh, I think they have the, the personnel to beat the Bengals. I know they can beat the Patriots um, because the Patriots are wavering <laughs> at the, uh, every sense of the word. Um, or who's uh, who's going to be better? Uh, you know, what, which team is going to show up? Is it going to be an offense? Mac Jones is going to be a great uh, great quarterback a few years down the road. But the Cleveland Browns have not beat anybody as of yet. Um, they have the Houston, they have the Bears, they have the Vikings, and they have Denver. That's their four wins. Their losses are Kansas City, which we'll talk about Kansas City here in a little bit. Um, or see where they're at on the on our list. They lost to the Chargers in a close game, 
And, I mean, they got smacked by the cards. So if you can show me these two games, uh, if they can win these two games, I'll, I'll believe they're they're much uh, more contender than pretender. But um, you have to beat the Patriots. That's a must-win game. And the Bengals, I'm going to say Bengals are a must-win as well to, to stay in the division itself, to, to get some tiebreakers in case the Bengals uh, show something at the end, you know, like become the Bengals at the end of the year. What about you, Caleb? Uh, so just to clarify, Derek, are you so the the three games are hosting Pittsburgh at Cincinnati and at New England. Are you saying they need all three of those to get to seven and three just to. Oh, I, I totally miss the Steelers because, yeah, I, I say two out of the three. Uh, I will say that they they have to they have to beat two of those three. Um, I think the Steelers on uh, on Sunday are going to be. Uh, they're going to beat the Steelers, I think. But let's just say two out of the three they have to win uh, because I just skipped over the Steelers this week and uh, didn't mean to. That's all good, man. It happens to the best of us. So I think that I completely agree with you that they need to take two out of three here as well. Part of it is they have not played a divisional game yet. It does stink for them that two of their losses are conference losses. I know that that can be a tiebreaker against wildcard teams, but in general, when you're a middle team, I somewhat stand with the mantra of beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. You know, the Steelers are three and three, but their three and three is a fairly questionable three and three. Uh, They beat in their last two games, when they were bouncing back, they beat the Broncos who have been sliding down and they beat the Geno Smith Seahawks by three in overtime. Uh, If you've seen the Seahawks any of the last two weeks, you know that that is not inspiring. So I think they got to beat Pittsburgh. Plus it's a home game Win your divisional home games, you know, at least get three wins in your division right there. I don't know that I can say at Cincinnati is must win, although if they want the division, it probably is. I will say that at New England is a must win as well. And I know many people would probably say, Caleb, they're going to Foxborough. That's such a tough place for teams to go in and win. I don't know that that's that true this year. Uh, New England hasn't looked good at home. And we'll probably talk more about that here in a few moments. But I really think the Browns need to go get two. If they do, they could be sitting at six and four, which is a great way to set themselves up towards this back half of the season. True. Uh, So let's go ahead and go to the wavering tier. We've teased it enough so far. (laughs) Uh, And uh, as we uh, wander and waver into it, we will go ahead and uh, get started with the previously mentioned So at number 17, we have the New England Patriots. We'll come back and we'll talk about them some more. Uh, At number 18, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Feels really weird to have them at 18. At number 19, we have the surging forward Atlanta Falcons. At number 20, uh, we have a team that has also just dropped four in a row, the Carolina Panthers. At 21, the Denver Broncos. At number 22, the Philadelphia Eagles as man, it's, this is a tough division or a tough tier to be in right now. 
23 is the Chicago Bears. They do not look inspired with Justin Fields at quarterback. And uh, number 24, the San Francisco 49ers, who I, when I was watching Sunday Night Football, they said that the 49ers have lost like 10 or 11 in a row at home going back to last year. So that that is not a streak that you want to have. Who knows when that will end? But before, before we go into the uh, the talk about the Patriots, uh, if someone would have told me on week seven that the Broncos were three spots away from the Chiefs, I would think that we would be in the playoff tier or at least the aspiring tier. Um, Broncos, please fix whatever's going on. Back to you, Caleb. Oh, it's okay. That's that's your team. That's your team. So. Uh, we'll talk about my team tomorrow. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the Patriots, why are they wavering? Well, let's get into it. So they do have wins uh, over the Jets twice and the Houston Texans, which was a very close game, actually. They, they only won that by three. And they have close losses against Miami, Tampa Bay, and the Dallas Cowboys. They're ninth in the AFC as far as playoff standings are concerned, which it's early, but you'd always rather be in than out. So at this point, the question really is, uh, do you think Mac Jones can lead the Patriots on a playoff run? Or are they more of like a a pretender because they have no wins over good teams? Uh, So it's kind of that age-old contender or pretender, except we're really talking about contender for a playoff spot. Not necessarily contender in terms of like winning the division or winning playoff games. Yeah, so you have done what you're supposed to do when it comes to being the Patriots. You've beaten the Jets twice. That's easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You beat the the Texans that um, doesn't have a quarterback or they have somebody who just happens to throw the ball in a general vicinity. Um you should have beat Miami um, in uh, week one. That was a one-point loss, and you know that would that would change the outcome of your season if you're four and three versus three and four. I think Mac Jones can. Uh, at some point in time, there's going to be a resurgence um, because they are winning or, or they're they are losing these close games. I think Bill Belichick at some point in time will. I don't want to say flip a switch or turn a dial or something, but instead of losing 16-17, they're going to win 17-16 or um, win that overtime game versus a good team. I'm going to have to see uh, see it when I you know versus a, a good team, but I think at some point in time the Bill Belichick will outcoach somebody and we will see Mac Jones. Um, have some of the handcuffs taken off. Maybe he throws an interception. Maybe he throws something further than seven yards down the field. Um, and we can actually see why he was drafted in the first round. Uh, so I think uh, Mac Jones can. So I may have misled slightly with my question here. And... The, the truth of the matter is, I think if the Patriots are going to make the playoffs, it is going to be off of their defense turning around and a commitment to the run game. 
I think Damian Harris has looked really solid through the last couple of weeks when they've kind of made him more of their feature back. Uh, feature back and Patriots are something that don't go in the same sentence ever because the Patriots like to use approximately 32 running backs a game. But I do think that if they can rely on Damian Harris to be the primary ball carrier, uh, go with Brandon Bolden in the passing game and, you know, effectively use Ramondre Stevenson maybe near the goal line a little bit as well, that the Patriots have enough there to spread the touches because I think Mac Jones is good enough to not lose enough games. Good point. I, I think he is efficient. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Mac Jones can do it all. Eh, I, I never was that sold on him beforehand. And the Patriots are kind of still in that weird spot. You know, if we're talking, you know, potentially about the draft, they'd probably be back around 15th right now. That's not where they want to be. And I, I found it interesting. Uh, part of what I was looking up when I was writing this question is I, I like going over to 538.com, which is all written out if you ever need to go to that site. And there was a big drop-off between the team before the Patriots and the Patriots as far as their odds of making the playoffs. They had the Patriots at a 26% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, the team that they have right in front of them is actually the Chiefs at 44%. They also had the Colts and Browns right at about 50%. So it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. And uh, I think this also, to circle back to our last point a little bit, it means that that game between the Browns and the Patriots is a must-win game for the Browns. <laughs> so not to, to completely regress, but I do think that it's, uh, less about Mac Jones, more about how are the Patriots looking as a team? And is Mac Jones avoiding those rookie mistakes? Because if he has, let's say, a, a three interception game, we're just going to throw that game out, even if it's a team they should beat. Uh, anything else you want to add about the Patriots before we uh, explore the basement, see what we can find? We all know that Mac Jones um, does really well when he sits behind other players. I mean, he sat at Alabama for a while, studied the playbook, and he did some amazing things out on the field. So I would say two to three years from now, the smartest first-round draft pick um, this year, or at least rookie quarterback this year, um, will the Patriots will turn things around. Uh, if they keep their coaching staff and if they keep, uh, you know, they they keep some of those uh, guys they draft, they uh, signed this off season. So I think Mac Jones has a, has a bright future. I just want to see what he does uh, in that future. So let's move on to the basement tier. Absolutely. These are the basement tier teams. These are the teams that you probably would not pick to beat anyone except uh, other teams in the basement. So at number 25, we have the nameless Washington football team. At 26, the Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks. At 27, the New York Giants, uh, which we're going to come back and talk about them more in a second. At 28, the lost six games in a row, Miami Dolphins. At number 29, the New York Jets. How did they beat the Titans? We're not going to discuss that today. 
but the somehow they beat the Titans, who are in the playoff tier, and they're here at number 29. Uh, at number 30, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. At number 31, the Houston Texans. And lastly, at 32, we have the winless Detroit Lions. So, uh, like I said, we're going to talk about the Giants. Uh, they did pick up their second win of the season by crushing the Panthers 25-3, to and it really was probably one of the games that came out of left field to me this last week. Uh, and let's be honest, their overtime win over the Saints in New Orleans is looking better and better every week as the Saints have now moved to 4-2. and two. Uh, What is the biggest obstacle for the Giants in trying to turn their season around? Uh, the guys who wear blue uniforms. Uh, the uh, the Giants themselves are the biggest uh, obstacle for the Giants to turn their season around. Um, they they're in a division that they could whip up on two other teams. They could attack the uh, the Eagles and, and and ground them. You can you can do something against the the football team, whatever whatever they're going to be called. I'm hoping that they get a new name soon and. Uh, we can put all of the uh, the negative publicity ab- behind us, but uh, let's see. They have a loss to the football team. They have a loss to uh, to Dallas. Um, so that means they have two games versus the Eagles left. They have a game against the football team left, and one against uh, Dallas left. So they could, uh, you know, if they, if you they beat the football team, they beat the Eagles twice. Well, then you're looking middle uh, middle of the road. You're looking at around 500. Um, so you, they, what they need to do is put together a decent game plan and decide if Daniel Jones is their quarterback of the future. He either build a team around him, build you know the offense and the play calling around him, or let's not and let's put someone else in there. So I think that you're right. I think that in general, the issue is the team. And part of my issue is I really don't know that I have a feel for what the identity of the team is at this point in the season. You know, we're seven games into the season, and I don't know if it's just that they haven't had their whole offensive stable around for much. You know, Saquon's been in and out of the lineup. You know, Kenny Galladay has been hurt. Sterling Shepard has been hurt. Kadarius Toney has been hurt. When you're throwing passes to people like Darius Layton and Dante Pettis, uh, it's just not not quite the same inspiration out there at wide receiver. Uh, Defensively is probably where they've shown the most, and I really think that that's where the team needs to step it up. So to me, it's really a question of can Daniel Jones do enough to turn them around? Based off of what I've seen the last two years, I don't think he can. Do you think Daniel Jones can do enough, or are you going to say no? I think if you build the offense around his skill set, then yes, he's he's a quarterback you need. Um, I don't think they're doing that, and I don't think that he's on the offense that they're running currently. I don't think he's the man for the job. I mean, they're the you know, that's the Dave Gettleman for you. I I don't think that he's a good GM. I didn't think he was good when he got fired by Carolina, and I don't think he's been good in his tenure in New York. So, I'm curious if they go with a new GM, if Judge stays around, or what exactly happens. But part of me says that Judge and Gettleman are going to stick around the rest of the time together. 
Well, that is all we have here for this Power Rankings episode at Brody Sports Talk. Please go ahead and give us a review if you are on a podcast platform that allows you to do so. And interact with us on Twitter at Brody Talk. Uh, Coming up later this week, we're going to, of course, have our Thursday night game preview with our picks for the rest of week eight. And we also have our Fantasy Friday episode coming. And you know that on Monday morning, we'll be dropping our Brody Sports Talk Junior episode where Zion and I go ahead and give you some of the recaps from Sunday's games. So if you guys are not listening to, to Brody Jr., in, in, you'll enjoy it. Uh, it is definitely a, a fun listen. Um, a little bit more lighthearted, uh, not quite as much of intense football debate. Uh but we need both in life so that we have the power rankings. We've got Brody Jr. We've got a little bit of both. So on behalf of Derek, my name is Caleb Walgren. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brody Sports Talk, and we are signing out. Bye. Guys.